as soon as I got into it, I, I just felt like, ooh, this is something I was meant to do. Maybe not for forever, but this is something I'm meant to do right now. And I feel like that's kind of been the story of my career. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. If you are struggling trying to figure out what you want your career to look like and what kind of career path you want to take, or if you have kind of a sense of what you'd want to do and what you'd like to go for, but you feel like you have no idea how to get there and the steps and the path feels a little bit overwhelming, if you have any of those types of uncertainties around your career path, then today's episode will be perfect for you. Today's guest is someone that I have known for quite a while. She and I got matched together a few years ago in a mentorship program, and we have been peer mentoring one another ever since. And it was super exciting for me to get to interview her on the show because she has had a very interesting career path. It took her some time and some iteration and some exploration to figure out what direction she wanted to take her career in. And as she moved forward and figured that out, she very successfully grew her career into one that is successful and fulfilling and that she truly enjoys. And it was a joy for me to get to ask her about that and hear more about how she got there. If you're looking for inspiration in terms of how to set your career goals and visions, or if you're looking for some tactical guidance in terms of how to figure out what you want your career to look like and what you should be thinking about for the future, this conversation is filled with tips and advice and inspiration. And we also talk a little bit about Carissa's transition to becoming a mom and what that was like and what kind of impact it had on her professional life. And her responses and what she shared might surprise you. I'm so excited for you to hear her story, to soak in all her wisdom, and hopefully get inspired by the path that she's taken and what she's learned and everything that she shares with us today. And with that, let's meet my good friend, Carissa, and enjoy the interview. I'm Carissa Stowers, and I am a director of training and enablement. It's been a really interesting path to get to where I am right now because this was not what I thought I would be doing when I graduated from college. I was a film and Spanish major. So training is kind of one of those things that people tend to fall into or evolve into. And that's definitely my story. I was working at a nonprofit right after graduating from college. And after realizing that there wasn't a lot of money in nonprofits, started picking up a little bit of extra work doing some film editing. And funnily enough, that didn't provide enough of an income either. So I started working at the Apple store, of all things, teaching their professional editing software. And that led into realizing I really actually liked teaching and helping people learn and started working at Apple full-time a few years later and worked for them in opening a bunch of retail stores all over North America. That gave me the clue that maybe training and teaching was something I was interested in as a more long-term thing. 
So I went back to grad school, got my master's in education, then started applying for jobs and got a job at a startup in the Bay Area. It was a little bit of a disaster, but <laughs> then that led me to another startup and then that led me to my current job. We talk a lot on the show about early career struggles and mm -hmm. things that were difficult or things that we were working on at the beginning of our careers. Is there anything that you could share from maybe the start of your career that was either a difficult thing or something that you had to really like work to figure out? Oh, okay. So this is probably kind of embarrassing. I actually haven't told too many people this because I feel like it would give me away. So I'm going public with it now. When I got my first job in the Bay Area, I was working for a startup that was a pretty early stage startup, but it had gotten some funding and I knew nothing about what that meant. I was hearing in my interview, we just got a series A and I was like, cool, I don't even know what you're talking about, but it sounds like something you're proud of. So I'll be excited about it. <laughs> And I remember my first week there, I actually wasn't living in California yet. I was working remotely. So they flew me in for a couple of weeks and I was sitting there and the CEO and a couple of other people were in a meeting and everybody was saying, oh, they're meeting with VCs. And then later they're meeting with angels. And I was like, what the heck? What are they talking about? So I was writing these things down on a notepad next to me. And when nobody was looking, I Googled, what is a VC, Silicon Valley? What is an angel, startups? <laughs> I really had no idea about how businesses worked. I had to learn fast and learn lingo around it. Now I feel like I can communicate around that world a little bit better. But yeah, I didn't have a lot of business acumen coming from the arts side of things. That was something that I really had to work at. And I still feel like I have a little bit of imposter syndrome <laughs> as a result of not having a business degree or not going to business school. I feel like that feeling of not understanding what people are saying, it seems unavoidable to me. Is there anything you would want to share to someone who is having a similar experience where there's a lot happening around them and they're feeling like not always understanding it or not always in the loop and questioning, mm -hmm. like, should I know this? Do I belong here? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Googling things is really great. That honestly is how I learned a lot is by just kind of making a list. And when I would have a question, if I didn't feel like it was the time or the place to ask somebody in my company about it, I would note it for later and either Google it or my other secret weapon was I had a couple of really good friends who I felt like I could ask who had been in that world who had gotten into startup life or into tech life a little bit earlier than I had. And they were a safe place to ask those questions where I didn't feel like they'd be like, oh my God, Carissa, like you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so having friends that I could trust to ask those questions to that there was no dumb question around. I think okay. that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to you starting out working in the Apple store and then realizing while you were there uh, that you really love teaching and mm -hmm. that you maybe want to build a career out of that. Would it have felt daunting to go from working at Apple at that position? It seems like it was more entry level kind yes. of on the ground to where you are now, where you're a yeah. leader yeah. in the tech vertical, in the corporate space. Yeah. I think I was making... $12 an hour. And I remember getting a raise to $12.50 and being like, yeah, big money now. <laughs> um, 
and my first job working at a nonprofit out of college, I think I was bringing home like $13,000 a year. So yeah, it is a little bananas to think about the growth of my career and income since then. And not that the income side was a primary motivator, but I think that would have been very surprising. And if I had looked at the role that I'm in now, say 10 years ago, and just said to myself, get there, I think I would have been like, what? How am I going to do that? That's crazy. I think this is so important because I think that seeing upward mobility as accessible is very important for women. I think regardless of that career entry point or where they are in the present, I Mm -hmm. think that it's super important for all of us to be able to say that I can grow and I can reach for more. And Mm -hmm. I would be curious from your experience, I mean, not the tactical of like how you got from A to B, but maybe what it is about you or the way that you approached things mentally that helped you take the steps to get you there because Mm -hmm. someone could be in a similar situation and say something like, well, I could never get a big role like she has right now. Like I wouldn't know how to get there or I'm not good enough. And so what do you think that you did or what mindset did you have to help you get to where you are right now? It wasn't even a consideration for me that I would be in this role. And it does go back to mindset, I think. And something that's helped me be successful is that I've always been really curious. And I I probably wouldn't have identified it until I read Mindset by Carol Dweck, which plug is a great book, but just being open to things that would come across my path. So for example, the role that I had when I started out at Apple was literally working a part-time retail job. I mean, they tried to make it sound kind of glamorous, but that's what it was, part-time retail. Um, you're cleaning up after like kids that peed in the store. It's not, (laughs) there was some of that. It wasn't, it wasn't all glamorous. So when you think about that, what I did was I just tried to take advantage of the things that were made available to me. If something sounded interested to me, I was just like, okay, I'll explore that. And when I applied for the career opportunity that let me start to train people at Apple stores all over North America, That was something I saw posted on the Apple intranet and I thought, wow, I barely fit any of these qualifications, which was true. Not (laughs) saying that to be modest. It's true, but it sounds really interesting and it sounds really cool and really fun. And I think I would love that. So I'm just going to try, just going to go for it. And I'm still really, really grateful for that team taking a chance on me (laughs) despite my lack of qualification because as soon as I got into it, I I just felt like, ooh, this is something I was meant to do. Maybe not for forever, but this is something I'm meant to do right now. And I feel like that's kind of been the story of my career is that I, I try to stay really open to things that come across my path. And if I see something that looks interesting or I see something that looks fun and challenging, or there was one time where I thought maybe I'll teach yoga full time. So I tried out yoga teacher training. You know, I think it's just, pursuing things that I'm interested in. And it's turned out that things that I'm interested in have been kind of all over the place. But when I look back, Steve Jobs has this quote about that you you can't really connect the dots looking forward. You can only see it when you look back. And that's really how I feel about my career is that if I was to try and plot out my journey to where I am now or even where I'll be in the future, I don't know that I would have been able to do it because it was just saying yes to a lot of opportunities that came across my path, even if they weren't the right opportunity forever. There are a couple jobs that I worked at that I didn't like. And 
those were not places that I stayed forever, obviously, but they were, they were stepping stones to getting me to something I did enjoy a lot more. And they, they were risk. I took the risk. I don't know that it was like the best choice that I could have made, but I took a chance and things have still worked out. I think in what you're saying, like I hear a lot of giving yourself permission, permission to try things, permission Mm -hmm. to explore your natural curiosities and also permission to have things not work out and to have that be okay. And I think that that's really important because I think it can be difficult for us to give ourselves that permission, like that Mm -hmm. open mindset in and of itself doesn't always come naturally. And I think it's easy to get caught in feelings of like, I should do this, or I have to know the perfect thing or like, oh, I can't do that. And so I think it's really cool that you are able to stay open without a lot of like stopping yourself or getting in your own way and saying like, no, that's not going to work. That's too crazy of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's been because I've been in situations earlier in my career where I was working for people or with people who encouraged that and said that was okay. And I know not everybody has that opportunity to to work around people who say it's okay if you mess up or it's okay if things don't go perfectly or, you know, having a support system at home where they're like, wow, that was a really terrible job. Maybe you should have picked something else. Um, yeah, I think I've been very fortunate to have had some of those really supportive people and work and in my personal life. But for me, it's it's worth the risk in a lot of these situations. Like I'd rather explore something and be like, okay, well, that wasn't totally for me, but I would have rather taken that chance than not have explored it at all and regret it later. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and thinking about like, how do you build a career and explore things and move up and grow in a Mm -hmm. way that feels good and in a way that also doesn't become too much like you're always pushing yourself so far. And like one thing that I've been thinking about and I think that you really demonstrate is treating it kind of like an adventure, like a choose Mm -hmm. your own adventure so that it's fun and exploratory, but it's not so serious also because that's important too. Yeah. I think that I've never been really title motivated. It's nice to have a specific title for sure, but I've I've more looked at the job description and and what I get to do. And I think that's that's helped. And that like that's another maybe like <laughs> admission <laughs> that I need to make, but when I got into my current workplace, I didn't even know what job levels meant. Hmm. And and so I was just I was just always like, okay, well, what, what does this change about my job? What do I get to do? What are the, what are the fun things that I get to do by taking this position? Now I know what the job levels mean, FYI, but <laughs> I, I didn't five years ago. It's just funny though, because you say that into you, it feels like this like radical admission, but then I think so many people will hear it and be like, oh, cool. I also didn't know. And I'm yeah. not a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. You're not a weirdo. Yes. And you can always, you can usually figure things out. You can usually figure things out. I wanted to ask you and see if you have any advice for listeners who have a goal or like have a little inkling or sense that they want something, but it feels Mm -hmm. either far away or scary. And so they're like not allowing themselves to admit like, oh, that would be an interesting career path Mm -hmm. or thing to aim for. From your experiences and kind of your journey from point A to point B, is there anything you would say to people to help them allow themselves (laughs) to go towards what they want? I think something that is really important is Well, I think there's two things. So first, it's not being so focused on this one specific 
role or this one specific thing that it becomes your end all be all so that if you don't get that thing ever in life, that it feels like you failed. So I think that's the first thing. When I graduated from college, I thought I was going to be a professional film editor. And I got into working my first editing gig and I realized I didn't like it all that much. I liked doing it in school and I liked doing it occasionally, but I didn't like doing it as a full-time job. And that took a little bit of self-reckoning, like, oh my gosh, that's not what I thought I was going to do. And I think what kept me from feeling depressed about that, besides the fact that I was 23 and I could change careers, (laughs) but what helped a lot was thinking about the things that I enjoyed about that. Like, why did I think I would enjoy that? It was the creativity side. And it was, it was getting to put things together and like produce. And it's, it was the strategy really, like the creative strategy. And so I just kept following what I thought might be interesting or might be challenging. So that's the first thing is to not like super set yourself up for one specific role, because you might be surprised that you don't love it. And it'd be really sad to get locked into one specific job just because you thought you were supposed to do it, or you Mm -hmm. feel like you couldn't ever change what you thought you were supposed to do. Like maybe I'll be doing something totally different than training in five years and I'm fine with that. And I think the other thing is the flip side of that. If there's something that you really want to go for, and it seems like you're very far away from that right now, is taking really tiny little steps towards doing something that gets you to that role. So it could be something as simple as listening to a podcast or reading a book or taking a community college class. Case in point, I thought maybe I wanted to go into working back at a nonprofit after being at Apple for a few years. And I took a class in nonprofit management and was like, oh, no, no, like definitely not. But it's a really good thing that I took that one class as kind of an exploratory step instead of quitting my job, taking a job at a nonprofit and realizing that it wasn't the thing for me. So I think just taking the many steps to get there is key. So there's a lot of resources out there right now, which is great. The internet has made a lot of things available to us where we can take online courses and access podcasts like yours and read books and just do a lot of research and take these small little steps towards exploring that big career goal. And you'd be surprised how far you can get with these free, simple resources without doing something at your job. But I think there's also the idea of if what you're wanting to do is aligned with your current job, if it's not something totally different, then looking for places at, at your current role where you can get plugged in and where you can practice those skills. When I was working in retail and thought I wanted to lean more towards a training role, I asked my manager at the time if I could have one day out of my 40 hours where, or a half day, I think, even out of my 40 hours, so like four hours out of 40, where I was focused just on creating training materials for the store or working with new hires or creating workshops. And I don't know why he said yes, but he said yes, because it was kind of a, it was a pretty small ask. And I said, you know, if things get crazy and you need me out on the sales floor, I'm happy to pop out there. But I think it's just taking advantage or or asking, not taking advantage, just asking for getting to do the projects or getting to play in the areas that you think you might want to play in. Being creative too. And I think that can also be really powerful because once you start making that kind of an ask in your job, then everybody knows that you're interested in this thing. So then when an opportunity comes along, someone can bring it to you. So I think that that's really important. That's really good advice. And Mm. 
before we talk a little bit about becoming a mom and that transition that you've experienced somewhat recently, I wanted to ask if you had any other tactical pieces of career advice that you feel like have really served you that you would want to share with other people. One thing that I think is really important is asking people around you for feedback and asking them where you're excelling and where you're not doing as well. And for me, I really built a good community of people over the past eight years or so between my my roles at Apple and where I currently am. And those people, you know, I have probably four or five go-to people that I know will be honest with me and that I can say, oh, I just did this thing and I don't think it was the right thing or, you know, give me, give me your perspective on that. So I think having your posse <laughs> is really important. And I, I will often run career things by that group of people, whether it's a new opportunity or whether it's how to negotiate for the next role that I want or whatever. And then something else that I think has been really helpful for me is obviously I have a little bit less of a career agenda than some people might have, but I do just stay really curious about people. When I meet somebody, I I want to know what they're doing and why they decided to do that and what makes them tick and where they think they're going next. And some of the people that I've met who have been really, really helpful in helping me figure out what I like to do or helping just be sounding boards for those sorts of things have been people that I've met because I sat next to them at an event and just introduced myself. And that's not my tendency. I'm I'm outgoing, but I'm not I'm not extreme extrovert. And so just getting out of my comfort zone and trying to think about, well, if I'm curious, then that's probably because there's a reason for that. I probably should reach out and say hi to that person that's sitting next to me and ask them what they do. And there, you know, I can think of two specific women who I had no intention of quote unquote networking with, but I sat next to them at events that sort of had nothing to do about what either of us were doing. And They've become really good partners to me in terms of, uh, you know, one's, one's kind of been a mentor to me. One's been just an inspiring woman to watch her career grow and to be able to be a sounding board for some of that stuff. So yeah, be brave, say hi, get out of your comfort zone. I think you touched on something that is really important with networking and building connections that might be helpful. It's something I experienced too. And it sounds like this was your experience is letting it happen naturally, like seeing where the connection is sort of naturally forming versus Mm -hmm. feeling this pressure to like make these connections and find these people. Because I sort of thought that that's how you quote unquote had to do it. (laughs) Right. And it was very uncomfortable for me. And I was like, how do I figure out like this whole connections thing and feel where this feels forced. And then I just started thinking like, well, why don't I just see when I'm naturally drawn towards someone Mm -hmm. and then let that potentially develop. And that has worked a lot better for me. Yeah, I think, well, I think clearly there's sometimes that you have to do the strategic networking, right? And sometimes those feel more forced than others. Sometimes we just have to do those. Um, This is timely because I just taught a networking workshop last week. (laughs) But um, I think that I think that a lot of the the good relationships or the good networks that you build are are really because you're you're open and you just kind of let you let the wind take you or you let the energy take you or God take you or whoever. Um you let those things form and you're open to them. I mean that's kind of how we met is we both said, "Sure, we'll try out this 
internal networking, I'm not networking thing, internal mentoring program. We just sort of said yes to it and we got buddied up. Mm-hmm. And gosh, it's been how many years now? Uh, I think almost three. Wow. And you know, what's really funny about that. What? In the very beginning, I was like, Carissa, I have th- this idea for like this thing that I want to do to help women. And yes. it was like this word document and you yes. like helped me with it. And now <laughs> it's this and that's really cool. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I told the woman who was organizing the program that I wanted to be matched up with somebody who could teach me about strategy because I didn't know what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are now, three years later, biggest peer mentoring program success. Totally. And like, I think like the takeaway there is neither of us are extroverts and I'm the type of person or like super extrovert, right? You are technically one, I think, but I'm, (laughs) I'm the type of person who like, the thought of like a forced match, like it makes me itch a little bit because I'm like, oh, like what if it's painful, whatever. And it's so important to stay open because I think sometimes some of that stuff is like, yes, I'm an introvert, but sometimes it's me just like being risk averse and not admitting, Mm -hmm. like, you know, making connections is scary. So it's like, don't, I have to, I'm saying this to myself, don't hide behind being an introvert, like Mm -hmm. just be open because you never know what can come of it. And like, if we hadn't done it, that would have been so sad. We wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. I know. (laughs) And we've like, we've both helped each other, I think through a lot of different things. If you think about it. Yeah. A lot's happened in three years. (laughs) Yes. And that's really good advice to people, which is ask for feedback and don't be afraid to follow where connections lead you, even Mm -hmm. if it feels like a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. That usually, that phase usually ends when you find the right person because you love, you love them. Yeah. Amazing. So before we get into the listener question section, I wanted to ask you about becoming a mom because that's something that you've navigated, not super recently, but somewhat recently. And I just wanted to hear a little bit about that transition and how it's been for you. Yeah. So I do feel like I'm still navigating becoming a mom because it's kind of an ongoing thing because every phase of my child's life brings a different set of challenges. (laughs) But um. Yeah. So I have a two-year-old. He just turned two recently. And I have been really lucky to never have been worried about losing my job because I was pregnant because I had a baby. But what I was worried about was whether I could be as effective or whether it would hold me back career-wise. And not that it would do that personally necessarily, but that when people looked at me, they would think, okay, well, she has competing priorities. She has you know, her child that she has to take care of, and she has her job that she needs to take care of. And I think that a lot of what I was afraid of was kind of some internal stuff and thinking about like, can I be good at both of these things? Because they're both demanding things. And when I came back from maternity leave, I had a four month leave. And when I came back, I came back to a really different place than I had left. Um, Some big changes had happened at my company and my team just a few weeks before I went out on leave. And I came back to different teammates and different priorities. And I tried to just give myself some time to move slowly, talk to a lot of people and assess the situation before jumping right back in. And I do think that is what sort of (laughs) saved me in coming back to work was deciding that I would not try and take everything on immediately. And I wouldn't try to get a hundred percent up to speed immediately. And 
I had somebody who had been on my team in the past who set a, honestly a really good example for me. Shout out to Sherry because when she had to take breaks to pump, she would just say, I'm sorry, I can't take a meeting then. I have to pump. And at the time when I was not a mom, I was like, gosh, can't she like move it? And then after <laughs> becoming a mom, I realized you cannot mess with that stuff. You got to do what you got to do. And so I think that having a couple of people, again, who had set the example or who I could go to, that was really helpful. And I remembered somebody at Apple who was a VP of retail way back when saying, you probably wonder how you're going to balance being a parent, your home life, or whatever's going on in your personal life and being at work. And what's the ratio? Can you give 100% at work and 0% at home? Or is it 80-20? Like, where do you go? He was like, but the answer is you have to give 100% in both areas. And I'm not saying that to glorify the like busyness thing or the like hustle all the time sort of mentality. That doesn't work for me. And I don't know that it's healthy, but um, that's a different podcast. But I think what is important is realizing both of those things are really important to me. Being a mom was 100% important to me. Being successful in my career was 100% important to me. And that I could prioritize both of those. Mm -hmm. And I think that there have definitely been times where I've had to choose giving more time to one over the other. And that's tough. Like Mm -hmm. I traveled a lot last year. Technically it was for my job, but I think it's also really healthy to show my son that his mom cares a lot about him. And because of that, I want to provide for him. I want him to see me being successful and doing well, being a strong woman, being in my career. And that when I'm with him, that I can be 100% with him and be focused on him. So there's been a lot to navigate, but I think it's interesting that the most success that I've seen in my career has come over the past two years since I've become a mom. And I don't think that that's an accident. I think it's because I have had to be really smart about working hard at work (laughs) and then also not working at work when I'm not at work. And of course, there's exceptions, like there's things that come up where there's deadlines. And um, luckily, I have a really supportive husband and family who can help me out with that when it does come up. But yeah, I think that it's, it's not an accident that you see a lot of really amazing women who are really successful in their careers and who are also moms. Do you think that becoming a mom in a way made you a little more unapologetic about your boundaries and kind of gave you a little more fire in terms of just (laughs) establishing what you want and need that has had a ripple effect in terms of your career? Hmm. I think it has. I don't know how much of that is a conscious decision versus just having to do it. My son's daycare, I have to pick him up by a certain time. I literally cannot leave him there. (laughs) You know, like I have to make that decision to get out of work by 5, 5.30 so that he doesn't get left, you know? So some of that's out of, it's a little bit of a necessity and it's a little bit forced. Like there were days where I'd stay at work till, you know, seven, if I needed to six or seven and just not going to do that anymore. And I have been really fortunate. Again, I know not everybody has this opportunity, but I've had managers over the last couple of years who were moms themselves and who are really respectful and understanding of when my son gets sick, I'm going to have to stay home with him from time to time. Or Okay, it's five five thirty. That means daycare drop off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that there's just some forced boundaries that you have when you become a parent that probably helped me a little bit towards 
setting those boundaries a little bit more personally, where I really do try to turn things off and not work once I get home. <laughs> this is fascinating to me. Yeah. Because I don't know. I see a story of like some stepping into power happening as a result of being a mom, but it could be that I'm reading into it a lot, but that's what it looks like from my POV. Yeah. No, I think you're right. See, this is why it's nice to have an external view towards what you do. But I think it is just sort of like a, no, here's how it has to be. Like I have multiple priorities in my life and sometimes certain things have to win out. And yeah, there's some things I've just decided I'm not going to compromise on. Mm. Yeah. It's just interesting because that bumped your career forward. So I think there's a really important lesson there. It did. Yeah. That's amazing. So this is the part where we usually do a listener question. Now mm-hmm. you have built your career off of teaching and some of that teaching and training and enablement is around helping people grow professionally. And this is a right. show about helping women grow professionally. So I didn't want to miss the opportunity for you to demonstrate some of that and help listeners. So instead of doing a listener question today, you're going to share a professional development tool or framework that might be helpful. So I'm going to give you the floor to share and I can't wait to hear it. Yay. Yes. So I am going to share a little bit about the framework that one of my colleagues and I put together. So shout out to Sumi Raman. She and I put this together last year and it was, it's funny. I'll give just like a quick background on it is that we got tasked with the challenge of trying to come up with a workshop that helps people focus on how to think about their career development a little bit differently because the audience was mostly earlier stage in their career and there was a lot of transition going on in their roles and a lot of changes. And so we wanted to help them think about career development as more than just it's a promotion or more than just it's a salary bump. And we did a lot of research. I was trying to think back on how much time it actually took us to develop this workshop where we use this framework. I mean, it was a lot, probably a hundred plus hours of research time. (laughs) It was a labor of love. We love doing it. I was actually really relieved when I read a, a book this summer that totally validated everything we had put together, but maybe we weren't as creative as we thought we were. <laughs> but it's a um, it's an idea of a work back plan or focusing on this idea of, of, of one thing. So I'll just take you through it with a little bit of an example. So where we start people in this career development framework is thinking first about the furthest point out in your life that you could envision career-wise. So When you feel like you have achieved your greatest career success, you're really happy, you're doing what you're meant to do, thinking about everything that surrounds that. So it's almost like a visioning exercise in a way. And this totally comes from my like yoga background, I think, (laughs) is, is thinking about where you see yourself and being really descriptive about that. So when we guide people through this in workshops, we actually have people write down some of the things that they see or they feel around them. So an example might be, let's say you want to be a VP in advertising, for example, and you're thinking about in this career vision, where are you sitting? Are you in a corner office? Are you overlooking water? What's around you? Are you surrounded by other people? Are you sitting by yourself? And you see how this could start to look really different for a variety of people. Somebody 
wants to be an entrepreneur, their career vision statement is going to look really different than somebody who wants to be in a huge Fortune 500 type company, right? So some of the things that you might think about are, what are you wearing? Think it like five senses stuff. What are you smelling? What are you hearing? Is there calm music playing? You know, <laughs> are you motivated by your morning cup of coffee or have you just come from a meditation session? You know, tell me everything. What's going on here? So we usually coach people for that to be about a paragraph and for you to just be talking about what would your pinnacle day look like? You know, are you about to go into a, a meeting where you're pitching to the CEO about the marketing strategy for the year? Are you about to work with your team on whiteboarding what a new creative campaign might look like? So that's kind of where we start. Furthest out point that you could imagine. And usually this is where people start to say, oh my gosh, like I can't envision a thing. I don't know. I don't know. And people start to freak out because they can't think of that one perfect thing. And that's totally okay because this is playing around. This is thinking about maybe stepping into or living into that space for a minute. Do you have to make a decision right then and there to say, well, I guess like it's VP of marketing. I'm locked in forever. That's what I'm doing. No, it's just the chance for you to think what might be a natural progression for what I'm thinking right now and what might that look like? So we're just playing around here. So no pressure. All right. So after you've thought of your career vision statement, then we bring it back to a little more present time and say, all right, if I want to be a VP of marketing someday, 10, 15 years, 20 years, then what would it look like over the next year to do things that would get me to that role eventually? So maybe it is that you're going to a conference. Maybe it's that you're taking on a stretch project at work. Maybe it's learning more about the people who are in those types of roles by connecting with them for coffee dates. So this is very specific thinking about what can you do within the next year. And again, this is playing around. This is exploring. This is thinking about what could you do that could get you to that eventually. We're not trying to get to that goal tomorrow. We're not even trying to get there in the next year. It's just what are the next stepping stones. So let's say that if we're sticking with our VP of marketing example, something that might be really important is building your network of people who are in that type of role already so that you can learn from them and be mentored by them. So maybe one of my goals for the year is to meet up with five people who are in VP of marketing roles in several different verticals so that you're getting kind of a wide swath of people. Great. So that's maybe one of two or three things that you're saying are a key priority for the year. We take that and we say, all right, if that's one of my priorities for the year, what can I do within the next few months to make that happen? So we work back from that. Okay, if I'm going to meet five people in the next year, then what's my work back plan to getting there? Well, first I'm going to have to decide on who the five people are. So maybe one of those mini steps is looking through my LinkedIn connections and seeing who in my current network is there that I could connect with. Maybe it's looking through some of the trade magazines and my Twitter accounts and LinkedIn influencers and seeing if there's somebody who I want to kind of set as a stretch goal to reach out to. So maybe your first step is some research around that. And then you actually have to schedule those coffee dates or reach out, right? You have to pick a place. You have to put it on your calendar. You have to send that invite through Gmail or Outlook or whatever. So that's that, those are our mini steps to achieve that meeting five-person goal. And then we ask people to get really specific and say, what is one thing you're going to do in the next week to be able to reach those goals? So it could be as simple as within the next week, 
I'm going to look through all of my LinkedIn connections and identify who within that list is somebody who fits the bill of, of being one of those five people. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you have to do. And just calendaring out a time and your schedule to do that. So setting aside 30 minutes on a Friday morning or whenever your slow time is, maybe maybe you're having to do it at night after you get home from work, but thinking about what can I do today? What can I do this week? So a really great resource for reading more about this is this book called The One Thing. And that was the book I was mentioning kind of validated this, this idea of starting with your furthest out vision and then doing this gradual work back to what can I do this week? What can I do today? What can I do this very moment? And there's some prioritization stuff in that book too that's really interesting and good to read about. But it really all starts with taking a first step, doing one thing, making forward motion. And again, the whole thing with this career framework is if you decide at some point that your career vision statement isn't what you want to do eventually, or you want to edit it or add to it or delete it or restart it, that's totally fine. That's the purpose of doing this is so that you're being purposeful about your career development instead of kind of floating around and realizing 15 years later that where you want to get to seems really impossible because you haven't taken any of the small steps you need to be able to get to your long-term goal. I love that so much. And also if you start moving towards it and then you realize that you don't want it, you probably wouldn't have realized that if you hadn't tried something. So I think clarity can also come from something not working. So something not working has value. Oh, for sure. I thought that at one point I wanted to be an instructional designer, which is a role within the learning space. And it sounded really fun when I went through grad school. And that's what I thought I was going to do when I finished grad school. And when I actually got into the role, I realized it was a lot of sitting behind a computer and I didn't have any human interaction. So I edited and kind of pivoted a little bit. So I think there's a lot of good things that can come from exploring, even if the exploring kind of surprises you in a way you weren't expecting. That's really helpful. And I really hope that people try that out. I think that yeah. it's such a good way to get some momentum in your immediate and just figure out like a little thing that you can start doing. Mm -hmm. And now it is time for the closing questions. My favorite part. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> the first of the closing questions is about the title of the show which is the art of speaking up. And I like to ask every guest what speaking up means for them and why they think it's important. For me, speaking up has a lot of facets, but I think one of the really important ones is speaking up for what you need. And that could be if, like I said, if you're a parent speaking up and saying, I have to leave work at this specific time, or if it's in your career that you want to take a next step and speaking up and say, I want to take on this project that might be a little bit of a stretch project and not in my role. Or if it's saying, wow, this was a really hard week and I need to leave an hour early today <laughs> for my mental health. <laughs> um, I think it's being aware of what you need and being certain and strong about that because people respect when you ask for what you need most of the time, not always, but most of the time. And every time you speak up and you say, I need this, you grow a little bit more powerful. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And now for the final question, some context for the final question is I started this show because I went through some tough times in my career, as many of us have, and I didn't have any mentors and I didn't really have any guidance. Mm -hmm. And I started this show to speak to anyone who might be in that position, who's having a tough time, or maybe just looking for some empowerment. And I like to give this space to 
the guests to share with listeners anything that they would want to share to either encourage or empower them? I would want to encourage people that no matter what type of role that they're in, to not let that limit you or feel like you're stuck. For a while, I felt like I was going to be working retail forever. And while there's nothing wrong with that, that wasn't the path that I wanted to go down. And there were a few years where I thought that it was going to be really difficult to move into the type of role I wanted. And I kept hearing that I would have to move into these roles that I didn't want to move into to get where I wanted to go. I would like to tell people not to let that discourage you, not to feel like there's one path that you have to follow. If you're in a job that you're not happy in, it can always change. It may not change tomorrow, but there are things that you can do to grow yourself and to become ready for the next thing when it presents itself to you. So I think you don't have to have everything figured out is, is really what I'm saying. Um, whether that's career or relationships or money or if you're going to have kids or any of that stuff. I think what's really important is to just stay curious and to be kind. Thank you so much, Carissa. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Carissa. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to her. It's always fun for me to interview someone that I know because I get to ask all these questions that I might not normally ask. So it was super inspirational for me and I hope it was for you. And even though we did something a little bit different instead of a listener question today, I hope you enjoyed it. And I would actually love to hear what you thought. If it resonated with you, if it helped you in any way, please reach out to me. I would love to pass that on to Carissa to let her know this is the type of work that she does and lives and breathes. So I know that she would love to hear from you. So always feel free to reach out. The easiest place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is the name of the show, The Art of Speaking Up. And I'm still doing listener questions. So send me your question. It could be anything from a specific situation that you're struggling with at work to maybe just a general question that you would love to hear more about on the show. If you're listening, then this show is for you. And so I would love to know what is helpful for you. And I guess with that, I'm going to wind down this episode and give you a big thank you for tuning in. A big thank you to a couple people who have recently left me kind reviews. Shout out to Mokimus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your iTunes avatar correctly, but your review was so kind and really touched me. So thank you for that. Thanks to everyone for listening and I'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.